Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 171 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Colossians chapter 1 today and our focus is on how does God make his enemies his friends. So we are a daily 10 minute or so podcast where we dig into God's word one chapter of the Bible at a time. Five days a week, we're in the New Testament. Twice a week, we're in the Old Testament. And our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible reading and daily Bible obeying. And we also want to get as many people involved in that as possible. So please do share the show with your friends. You can tell them to find us on our website, Bible2021.com. That's the easiest place to subscribe uh, because there's links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Google and all other places where you get podcasts. Or you can just search for us in your favorite podcast app. Bible 2021 is the show name. Well, it's been literally 19 days since I recorded a podcast and I've pretty much forgotten how to do it. So please forgive any rustiness you might hear today. I recorded a bunch of episodes in advance because my family and I are back in California after a lovely and busy trip to see friends and family in Birmingham, Alabama, and it's great to get into the Word of God day by day again with you, and Colossians 1 is a wonderful chapter to re-begin with. About, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years ago, whatever it was, when I was pastoring in Birmingham, the leadership team of the church I pastored and I went on a retreat at the end of the year prayerfully seeking God's guidance for the upcoming year. So we camped at this really awesome place in the woods, and we read through Colossians, uh, the book of Colossians for the weekend. Specifically, we read through the Murray J. Harris translation of Colossians that I had found in uh, one of his commentaries on the book of Colossians. Now, it's a fresh and wonderful and very biblically faithful translation that Dr. Harris put together, and I'm going to take the unusual step of reading from it for today's episode instead of our normal translation, which is the CSB. So one item to discuss before we do so, and it comes from our verses of the day, uh, is in verses 21 and 22, and I'm actually going to read from Murray, Dr. Murray Harris's translation. It says, this universal reconciliation includes you, Colossians, although you were at one time in a state of alienation from God and were his inveterate enemies in thought and attitude because of your evil actions, but as things now stand... God has reconciled you to himself by means of Christ's death in his physical body. God's purpose in all of this was to present you in his own presence at the end as people who will be without any sin, without blemish, and beyond accusation. Well, there's a fascinating and kind of sobering truth in that, those two verses. We were enemies of God because of our evil actions. Now, we see this truth elsewhere in Scripture too. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Ephesians 2 verse 3 also notes that we were children of wrath. In other words, that we had God's wrath and anger justly on our heads because we'd sinned against him so many times. It says, We previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath. 
as the others were also. So how does God make us his friends? Well, it turns out that that happens by the spilled blood of Jesus, his perfect son. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, All this is true of Jesus because it was God's choice and pleasure to have all divine attributes and powers reside in Jesus to reconcile the whole universe to himself through him by making peace through the blood Jesus shed on the cross to reconcile all things through him alone, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. So the blood of Jesus spilled out on the cross is the thing that brings peace between God and man. Well, the writer of Hebrews also expands on this beautiful truth. We see it in Hebrews 9 verse 11, which says, Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of young cow sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God? So, sacrificial blood cleanses sin. That is a God-installed rule of the universe. If, says the writer of Hebrews, the shed blood of animals can somehow cleanse and sanctify humans, how much more can the perfect blood of Jesus cleanse us and bring us peace so that we can serve God and experience the fullness of his love and joy? That's the good news, friends. Not that we earn salvation and favor with God by the works of our hands or the purity of our souls, but that the shed blood of Jesus cleanses, washes us, makes us pure, purchases us as sons, and allows us to have peace and joy with God, the perfect Father. Well, let's read our passage once again. This is Colossians chapter 1 from the exegetical guide to the Greek New Testament, Dr. Murray J. Harris's translation. Verse 1, this letter comes from Paul, the special envoy of Christ Jesus, commissioned by the will of God, and from our brother and colleague Timothy to the people of God in Colossae, who are brothers in the fellowship of Christ and faithful to God. May the grace and peace that come from God, our Heavenly Father, be your portion. Whenever we pray for you, without fail, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we have heard of your faith as those who are in Christ Jesus and also of the love you show toward all God's people. Both of these qualities are stimulated by the hope that is reserved for you in heaven. You came to hear about this hope previously when you heard the message that has the stamp of truth on it, the message that is the good news that has come to you. In the same way, this gospel continues to produce throughout the whole world the same kind of harvest and increase it has been yielding in you from the very first day that you heard about and came to appreciate God's undeserved favor for what it truly is. That was the way you learned it from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow slave who has been faithfully serving Christ as our representative. It was he, in fact, who informed us of your love, 
love that is produced by God's Spirit. Because of this encouraging news about you from the very day we heard it, we also have never stopped praying for you. Our request to God is that he may fill you with the knowledge of what his will is by giving you every form of spiritual wisdom and discernment. Once you have this, you will lead a life that is worthy of the Lord Jesus and that aims to give him complete satisfaction in every respect. Your life will then be marked by perennial fruit-bearing in every kind of good deed, by continuous growth in your knowledge of God, by a constant supply of strength generated by His glorious power for every form of endurance and patience, and by continual and joyful thanksgiving to God the Father, the one who has entitled you to receive a share in the heritage that belongs to His people in the kingdom of light. Yes, in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion that is characterized by darkness and has transferred us as free colonists into the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves so dearly. In union with this Son, we have gained and now enjoy release from bondage, namely the forgiveness of our sins. This one who redeemed us is the exact and visible expression of the God whom no one can see. Being the image of God, he is also the firstborn prior to all creation and supreme over it, because it was in his person that all things in heaven and on earth were once created, things that can be seen by the human eye, and those things that cannot be seen, whether they be the angelic occupants of heavenly thrones or supernatural beings who exercise dominion or rule or authority, all these things were created and now exist through him and for him. He, and no one else, is before everything in time and rank, and it is in his person and by his agency that all things hold together and are sustained. What is more, he himself is the head of his body, which is the church. This is because he is its cause and the source of its life, and also because as the firstborn, he was the first person to rise from the dead to immortality, and as a result, he himself became preeminent and peerless in every realm. All this is true of Jesus because it was God's choice and pleasure to have all the divine attributes and power reside in Jesus, and to reconcile the whole universe to himself through him by making peace through the blood Jesus shed on the cross to reconcile all things through him alone, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. This universal reconciliation includes you Colossians, although you at one time were in a state of alienation from God and were his inveterate enemies in thought and attitude because of your evil actions. But as things now stand, God has reconciled you to himself by means of Christ's death in his physical body. God's purpose in all of this was to present you in his own presence at the end as people who will then be without any sin, without blemish, and beyond accusation. But this will occur only if you continue to exercise faith, the faith in which you were once firmly founded and now should be steadfast, refusing to shift from the hope that is held out to you in the good news which you heard. This good news has been proclaimed to every person beneath heaven's orb, and I, Paul, have been entrusted with the task of communicating the good news. Now, when I recognize the privilege of my apostolic vocation, I rejoice even in the midst of all that I am suffering for your sake. In fact, through this personal suffering of mine, I am making my distinctive contribution toward filling up whatever remains to be endured of the afflictions of Christ. All this is for the sake of his body, the universal church, whose servant I have become as a result of the commission entrusted to me by God with regard to you. 
the task of fully proclaiming to you Gentiles the message of God. This message is none other than the sacred secret of God's plan of salvation that was hidden during all the past ages and generations, but has now been disclosed to the new and holy people of God. For in his eternal counsel, God had chosen to divulge this mystery to his people in all its glory and richness displayed in the Gentile mission. What is this mystery or sacred secret? Christ indwelling you Gentiles and all believers, which is your assurance of a share in his glory. And this is the Christ we proclaim when we warn every unbeliever and teach every believer with all possible wisdom, our aim being to present every believer mature and perfect as a member of Christ's body who is in personal union with Christ. In my eager desire to achieve all this, I toil and earnestly strive, energized, by the power of the indwelling Christ that is so mightily at work in my life. Amen and amen. Well, let's close out with our Bible memory verse for the month of June. It's Daniel 6.23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the lion's den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Again, I say it. Almost every time we read it, may you and I, friends, trust in our God as well and walk in faith. Good day to you and Godspeed.